Bible studies are important, uh, and uh, but if if all you do is continue in your Bible study and never take that out into the world to apply it, um, you're not going to have the discipleship growth. And so, you know, having a venue where people are putting their faith into action, stretching themselves, being uncomfortable, all of those things, you know, that's a huge payoff. In my work as a pastor and pioneer of new things, I get to work with, coach, and learn from others, tilling soil, planting seeds, and praying for rain as we dig in and engage our communities for the mission of God. Join me as we share stories from the field in the Common Ground Podcast. This is the Common Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Delod, lead cultivator of Fresh Expressions here in North Georgia and of the Common Ground Network at Mount Pisgah United Methodist Church. I'm so excited to have you join me today for this conversation with my friend, Brett. Um, I knew that when I started this podcast that I wanted to have Brett on with me. And the reason being that uh, Brett was the senior pastor at the church where we began our Fresh Expressions experiments and where we launched the Douglasville Dinner Church. So I know that um, <laughs> we were just talking before we hit record about um, this very public debrief now that uh, both of us are no longer at that church. But um, we love to invite you to into this conversation today. And Brett, I will let you introduce yourself and say a little bit about your new context. Sure. It's great to be with you again. Um, I began uh, in, a, I, I say that ministry for me is third, fourth, fifth career, depending on how you count them, uh, but began coming out of college as a sportscaster, uh, doing uh, that on TV and radio. I uh, did that for a few years, then went into the business world for about 10 years. I ran a small business as well as uh, sales and such. Felt the call to ministry in my early 30s. Uh, went to seminary and have been uh, pastoring churches now for about 15 years. And uh, that has led me to my current uh, site and appointment, which is Aldersgate United Methodist in Augusta, Georgia. And uh, I've a part of the North Georgia Conference ordained elder, and so it's uh, it's been an adventure. Uh, each of my settings has been somewhat different, as they all are, but many of them uh, have focused around uh, missional engagement, connecting with our community, trying to make a difference in our community at the same time reaching people for Christ. And uh, in most of my settings, uh, that uh, need was there. Uh, to not simply fling open the doors and uh, be with those who have come in, but mm -hmm. to reach out further and further uh, as fewer and fewer people came once you flung open the doors. Uh, you know, we both got in this uh, in a season where uh, the natural thing wasn't to attend church, and that has been lessening and lessening every wow. year. Uh, I kind of look back fondly to the church days that I grew up in, and uh, yearn to be a pastor in those days sometimes uh, where uh, it seemed easier uh, to attract folks. And it, uh, but uh, we have to deal with reality and where we're at. And so uh, it's been a fun adventure. Yeah, it really, I mean, things really have changed, haven't they? Um, <laughs> in these last uh, uh, several years. And I think one of the things that I really appreciated about our time together 
was uh, knowing um, and having had a lot of experience with you um, prior to um, coming into the church and, um, and knowing kind of that, you know, in the words of John Wesley, that your heart was as my heart uh, really about mission and the community and what it meant to um, not only be appointed to a church, but also to a particular community. And, um, and really, I think that mutual understanding that we had was one that, that I think was very beneficial to our, um, really beneficial to the ministry that we did together at, um, at Douglasville. And really having that understanding and that common ground that we shared and wanting to reach people in the community and, and be a part of what God was doing there too. So do you want to say a little bit about that and kind of your entry into Douglasville? Because we had not started, um, we had not started uh, Douglasville Dinner Church or had any um, fresh expressions conversations at, um, at, you know, before your coming, but we both really had that um, outward focus as well. Right. And you were there four years before I got there. That's and, right. uh, you know, I, I've said often laid the groundwork for uh, re-engaging uh, the church in missional activity. It had a grand history of that. Yeah. Uh, I like to say that the Douglasville First United Methodist Church had its fingerprints all over every charity in that town uh, and was a big part of starting that. Uh, and uh, I think uh, uh, certainly a signature of, of your time, particularly in the, in the beginning, was re-engaging the congregation. Mm-hmm. And then as the years went on, you were able to enhance that. But uh, getting the church uh, reconnected to its community, a community that didn't necessarily look like it did uh, 10 years before, right. 20 years before, certainly. And so uh, by the time I got there, uh, missions was once again on the forefront and strong, and I think the uh, the ground had been been laid for uh, some good work to uh, uh, you know to maybe do that in a in a different way. Uh, that once the engagement in the community was set, it was now you know how do we reach people um, and and maybe being in ministry with the community rather than ministry to the community. And yeah, yeah, we, we a little bit about, of that distinction. We talk about those beginning points or those beginning stages in the process of forming a fresh expression are listening, loving, and serving. And um, to your point, I think um, that's something that we, that we were um, very, very much engaged in listening, loving, and serving our community um, in Douglasville Um prior to even um, getting into that conversation about fresh expressions. And uh, again, to your point, the church was really known for its, um, for its fingerprints being all over the community. And, um, and when we talk about, you know, listening, loving and serving the community, we also talk about, um, you know, what we hear and how we respond and, um, and that it is a a withness rather than a, a two or a four. So um, all of that groundwork was really laid in a lot of ways and um, and kind of pressed into, I think, prior to having the Fresh Expressions conversation. And we had the benefit of, um, it didn't feel like a benefit uh, a lot of the time, <laughs> but uh, being a, a church that uh, no longer, uh, due to uh, the racial uh, uh, change in the community, uh, no longer a church that mirrored its community. Um, the attractional model was uh, less successful for us. 
uh, and it forced us, uh, if we were going to connect with people and reach people, it, it forced us to, to find a way to get out of the building and go to people. Yeah. And uh, I say a benefit uh, to that, uh, many times in my ministry, I think the natural pull is back to the attractional model, mm-hmm. uh, maybe because uh, so much of that we're trained in and, and um, you know, it, it's just quite honestly easier at times. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we, we can spend all of our time in the attractional model. And if you have opportunity for that to be successful in your setting, then uh, certainly that can take all of your time. Uh, yeah. I think that, that we saw with dramatic changes in the community and, and the church no longer mirroring that community, that um, you know, maybe the only way we were going to really, uh, in a significant way, connect with people was to, to go out to them. So uh, you know, uh, in those early uh, years that, that we were in together in ministry there, uh, you know, I think the language we used was experimental worship mm-hmm. communities uh, or experiences that we wanted to set up. We didn't know what that was going to look like, right. and I think that's why the experimental part of that is so important. That you know, let's get out there and try some things. Uh, we we may fail, mm-hmm. uh, but um, some of the language I've started using as I talk to to folks in my new setting, looking back on that, is so often the idea of, of churches is they they get an idea for a program and they spend a year and a half developing that program. And they figure out, okay, we're going to invest $20,000 in that program. <laughs> they put all their eggs in one basket. They get everything in build up. And if that comes out of the gate and fails, they're dead in the water. They won't try anything else for five or 10 years because remember when we tried that yeah. and they, they just invest so much in it that they can't fail. And then if they do or it's less than fully successful, you know, then then they're devastated or worse, they hang on to it for 10 years because they invested so much in it. And so I think the experimental part of, you know, let's try something fast and cheap mm-hmm. and just go do it and see where the spirit moves and adapt and adjust and go from there. And I think that uh, that is not in the DNA of most church folks no. or churches um, and certainly not for most of the way that we've always done things. Yeah, really. I think the the comfort of a attractional model of church is really um, knowing what to expect. Everything's neat and tidy. Everything's planned in advance. And um, you don't really necessarily have to deal with the unexpected. And, you know, um, I, I'm thinking of the words of Todd Bolsinger, what happens if the maps that got you to where you are won't get you to where you need to go, right? I mean, the the whole the world changing around us and certainly in this particular context changing a great deal as well and um, and continuing to do the same things was not going to work um, for the the unfolding landscape in front of us although it may still work for some of the people that were there was not going to um, uh, enable us or equip us to continue to do the ministry of the church in a world that was changing dramatically. Uh, you know, we talk about the blockbuster Netflix, um, you know, progression that, um, you know, some people are still happy to go to blockbuster, but uh, Netflix has reached a lot more people with the same message, um, if you will. Well, and and so- what kills me is 
particularly coming out of the business world and being a uh, you know someone that goes to conferences and reads books and all of that, I am built in the best practices model. Yeah. Uh, boy, I can just thrive in that. Let me go find somebody who's done it immediately apply that here and and you know in the business world that's what we did we just figured out what um you know what another company did no reason to reinvent the wheel we applied those dynamics to our business and boom success right. uh, and in the church world as i began you know you could do some of that and uh you know more and more the best practices put in place no longer get the guaranteed results. And that's just a disorienting place to be, particularly somebody who was raised in that that mode of, of doing things. And that's how you would be successful. Right. So new new practices, new ways of, of um, doing the same things for the same why, which I think was really important. You, you use the language of experiment. So um, I'm going to take us down that road because one of the things that we um, one of the things that we did before we launched the dinner church was an experiment of sorts. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? So, um, you know, we looked around and we said, where can we meet and let's get out of the church building and do that. And we talked about different restaurants and things. And then we were able to, uh, secure a location at a taco Mac, which is, uh, uh for those who don't know the Atlanta setting, it's a kind of a, a more localized, a little rougher, maybe Buffalo Wild Wings, or, or it's a bar, wild, a wing place uh, type of thing. And they had an upper room. And uh, so we started out there and we attracted about, I think, 80 of our own people the first night. <laughs> and uh, it was uh, great. And the idea was that they would be able to invite their unchurched friends that might not come to church, but maybe yeah. they could get them to uh, a, a more casual setting. And um, and so, uh, we kind of, uh, did that monthly for a little while with diminishing returns, even among our own people. Yeah. And I think the biggest diminishing return was for whatever reason, um, it just wasn't producing non-churched people, uh, in the setting. And, um, uh, and then also I think the bigger learn that we'll probably talk a little bit about, um, we also realized this was a church, a clergy driven experiment. Mm -hmm. And we hadn't brought anybody else into the ownership of it. And so uh, when, uh, when we got into month three, four, or five, and, and uh, nobody else felt they owned it or yeah. had any part to play in it, um, you know, then there was less commitment and, and less um, connection um, with that. And um, looking back, I mean, it just kills me because mm -hmm. for those of us who were trained in developing programs, I yeah. mean, it was beautiful. Yeah. We had a wonderful name, Church at the Mac. We had a beautiful logo. I mean, my goodness, <laughs> we made T-shirts that were beautiful. I mean, it was everything you would want in a yeah. beautiful, beautiful it was super program. Cool. It was super cool. It was very yeah. cool. We had and great it, music. and Yeah, and it just didn't work for what we, and again, for what our purpose was, it didn't right. work. I mean, we could still be doing that three years later yeah. and probably would have been fine with 20 or 30 church people there and they would have loved it. But that's not why we set out to do it. And, uh, you know, you've got to, uh, you know, once you realize something's not getting the results, you know, shoot and kill it fast. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what we did there. But, 
the dinner church, which would then go on to be wildly successful, I think we would both admit never would have gotten off the ground. And even if it got off the ground, certainly would not be the success and certainly wouldn't still be a success after both of us are gone yeah. had we not had the, the so-called failure at Church at the Mac. Yeah, we learned a lot. And I think one of the one of the things that we learned was, well, I know a lot, I learned a lot of things, but one of the things was prayer was a super important part of getting started with uh, the dinner church. And there were, you know, and, and to your point on being clergy driven, um, you know, when when we kind of cast the vision for starting the dinner church and did not get the, the responses um, that we had anticipated, I just made the decision that I was not going to do it um, until um, we had the responses that we were looking for and that uh, it was not going to be the Heather show. You know, um, I didn't need one more thing to do. I, I already had created plenty of things for myself to do. So, um, you know, part of that was was being patient and doing that um, that work in advance. And uh, we did a lot of prayer walking. Uh, we did a lot of prayer walking and, and the church continues to prayer walk the neighborhoods around where the dinner church is. And um, so lots of lessons learned and that that shared ownership. Right. And creating a team and inviting people to kind of come along for the the journey and being a part of the the listening, um, and even some of the the members of the team beginning to serve at the at the food pantry and in the school where they were already serving. Um, that that kind of became the um, the places where the the dinner church was birthed. So all of these things being said, I mean, what are you taking as far as lessons from this into your new church into your new context? Well, I think definitely you've got to um, you've got to get a read of your community. Um, and that's hard to do in COVID times, um, certainly. Uh, but uh, you've got to uh, get that understanding of, uh, you know, your local community. And I'm not ruling out something happening here at, at the mothership, as we'd call it, the, mm-hmm. the main church facility and all, if the community people are open uh, to coming here. Uh, it doesn't have to be off campus, but... Right. Uh, you know, if they won't come here, then we've got to find some way um, to go to them, uh, looking out into the community to find uh, those places of uh, influence, uh, people, you know, the third places, yeah. uh, certainly dinner church, we did it in a food pantry, um, you know, trying to figure out where where are people already at. Right. Uh, I think that was a uh, also a big success, not only in, in getting uh, of dinner church was not only getting our laity engaged in ownership and involved, but it's also we found an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, we found the people, and you know, so much of what I think we've been trained to do is figure out the program and then go find the people. Yeah. And what I love about Fresh Expressions is it says go find the people and then figure out, yeah. um, you know, what it will take uh, to to reach them. And so, um, you know, and then also I've got to. Uh, from not only figuring out the community, I've got to figure out the strengths of my own congregation yeah. and where are their gifts and, and passions and strengths, and then how do we match those two uh, up? But um, yes, the, the biggest takeaway is, uh, you know, as you said, this, this can't be the Brett show. I can't come in and, uh, and just start doing these things on my own out in right. the community. We've got to uh, 
put a team together and then let that develop and, and figure that out as we go. Yeah, you got to start looking for those people with a little bit of a holy discontent for, um, you know, is it, you know, what else is there uh, outside of what happens in this building and, um, and looking for those people that um, are people of peace in the community that already have connections with, uh, with people, you know, for us, we had, we ended up having someone on our team that was the director of the food pantry. So that helped. Um, but we had a long-term relationship with the school as well. And that was a big part of that. Um, and so really kind of inhabiting the, the spaces and places where God's put you already and how the people that are part of that faith community there in Augusta are doing that already. Um, and what does it look like to next level? One thing that I really like to, to do is when, you know, when you have a conversation with a church, maybe for the first time about the possibility of fresh expressions is um, what are you already doing that could possibly be pressed into relationally um, that might um, be the, the seedbed for a fresh expression to, um, to be born. And, um, and that takes into consideration people that are already a part of, of what's happening there. So a lot of the groundwork is already done for you um, in a sense. So what's one thing that you would want people to know about um, uh, fresh expressions and I guess their impact on the existing church or the mothership, as you call it? Well, I think the biggest factor that, you know, I guess I don't want to call it the biggest benefit, but it's a huge benefit um, is the discipleship that happens amongst your own people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of that ownership of, of that team taking ownership of that is that, you know, how they come alive as yeah. they are in ministry. And it's not, you know, just helping out the church or helping out the pastor, but it's their ministry. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm very much a both and person. Mm-hmm. Bible studies are important. Uh, and uh, but if if all you do is continue in your Bible study and never take that out into the world to apply it, um, you're not going to have the discipleship growth. And so, you know, having a venue where people are putting their faith into action, stretching themselves, being uncomfortable, all of those things, you know, that's a huge payoff. And I think what it does over time is it transforms the others in the mothership who may never go out to that site yeah. uh, because they're experiencing, you know, who those people become who, who are serving there. Yeah, that's so good. I think as a, as a permission giver, as a senior pastor, I think it's important for other senior pastors, other permission givers to hear that. Um, what was, what was the hardest thing for you? And I mean, this was, um, this was something you had to cast vision for, um, along with me, I mean, we were both preaching um, simultaneously in two different worship services, and um, and we were both casting vision with the congregation and with the people in front of us. What was the hardest thing for you? I mean, essentially, um, as your associate pastor, this was this was kind of my thing. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I I'd like to think that because this is what we were trying to do. Um, that, uh, you know, I didn't find things um, hard to do. I, I think the, probably the hardest, now I'll, I'll speak to, you know, it, it can be tough for other senior pastors. <laughs> <laughs> 
that if if you don't feel like you're getting the full credit for it, mm-hmm. um, see now that I've left there, I can just take all the credit for Dinner Church. Nobody's ever <laughs> heard of Heather. So I can just talk about Dinner Church as this huge success, mm-hmm. and people will think I'm amazingly wonderful. So, uh, but for some, that's that's difficult. Uh, you know, we set mm-hmm. out. Uh, to uh, to achieve those goals for me on my best days, mission is king. And so, uh, yeah, I, I said that a lot and tried to live it. So um, if we were achieving our goals, and, and really I see my, my role as permission giver is whether it's dinner church or discipleship or anything within the church, uh, you know, I see myself as creating the environments that enable good ministry to happen. And mm-hmm. the larger churches that you get into, the further you are from hands-on yeah. impact. Um, and so your role changes. And so I saw myself as, you know, I got to make sure the mothership has the best financial ground it can be on, that, uh, you know, the staff are, are highly functional, that uh, that the vision is being shared, all of those things so that the environment is there that you and others and the laity can go out and be successful. So, um, but it is hard sometimes if, uh, you know, if you're driven by uh, people seeing uh, Mm. individual programs or the church as a success and somebody else is linked to that um, uh, for, um, so I think that, you know, for some uh, is hard. Um, it, it can be hard, the disconnect that, um, you know, that you're not 100% involved in something. I think you called it control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, for some, uh, that's a, a big deal um, that, uh, you know, that you feel like, oh, I've got to have my hands in on everything. Right. Um, personally, you know, I loved it when I had, uh, you know, staff folks that, that could just do their thing and you could leave them alone and you never had to worry about it, right. uh, you know, from, from that. The, um, probably the bigger thing that, that I ran into was when you do these things, not everyone's going to share this vision. Mm. And so as the permission giver, or as the senior pastor, you're going to be the one that's going to get a lot more flack uh, about mm. that. Um, you know, what we ran into, and, and I'm sure that it's not exclusive, uh, people don't seem to think that we can concentrate on two things at one time. Mm. So if we're paying attention to dinner church, then we're not paying attention to the mothership. Yeah. Um, if we pay attention to people outside the church, then we can't pay attention to people inside the church. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that we can't do two things at one time. When you know, as you know, as pastors, we're we're juggling thirty plates, not right. two, uh, all the well, time. Well, you and I so, are. <laughs> you know that I think um, that uh, particularly because we've never done it this way before. Um, you know, let's be honest. The uh, because of of demographic changes and and community change, we lost average attendance. Uh, 80 people or so probably in in worship at the mothership uh, yeah. during our time uh, at Douglasville. Um, but we gained 80 to 100 in dinner church. Right. Um, many people will look at that. And because the 80 that moved away are, are no longer at the church where they're close friends, mm-hmm. it's hard to stomach. Uh, those aren't equivalent numbers. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I at sometimes would say, well, you know, most churches are just losing the 80 at the mothership and never replacing them anywhere. Mm-hmm. At least we replaced them or not replaced, but we reached new people. So, new people, um, yeah. you know, that's, uh, but, but people aren't going to be as excited as you are that, that, hey, look, look what we're doing out here. Um, we've reached 80 to 100 new people while, you know, we haven't had, while we've had difficulties maybe at, at the mothership. Yeah, so, it really is about the kingdom vision versus the local church vision. And those 80 people that we lost at the mothership that were their friends were uh, most likely found their, their way to another church in a different place, right? That's certainly the hope. And, you know, many of them moved. So right. I would hope that yeah. that was the case. Yeah. So um, we're, you're in a new context. Where are you finding um, common ground? We talk about common ground in this podcast and the idea that, um, you know, God is, is moving and working in our communities um, in our understanding of um, provenient grace and um, in God's work in the life of people before they even know who God is, right? And there's no place that we can go that God is not already but also, you know, Fresh Expressions really highly regards these places, um, these third spaces, as you call them, where um, people are gathering already, um, which is challenging in a COVID world, but also where, um, you know, there's a shared affinity of sorts. Is there a place that you're finding that now in your new context? Well, I've been here less than a month or, or right at a month. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm driving around. Uh, you know, one of the first places I always want to try to get connected in is schools. Uh, and uh, the schools in our immediate community have been delayed about a month, um, okay. so won't be starting uh, for another month. But, uh, you know, certainly that is the place uh, that, um, you know, I've already got on my radar uh, to engage with. Uh, just trying to uh, do those kind of prayer drives. Yeah. Uh, it's 100 degrees here almost daily, it seems like. Uh, feels like 110, they say. Uh, and so there's not a lot of walking right now, but uh, trying to do some of that, just uh, you know, get a, a feel for the landscape and the boundaries and, and what is our mission field. Are you working on your golf game? I mean, you're in Augusta, the land of the green jacket, so... <laughs> So I have not torn up any courses yet because they haven't let me on them. But uh, so, uh, but yeah, I mean that certainly could uh, could play into it. Of uh, you know uh, the the types and 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 that's part of the difficulty now. You know we have not been in person worship on campus yet. So um, you know it, it's uh, I'm trying to uh, greet my people at, at drive bys and drive throughs and and. Uh, sitting on a few back porches, but um, you know it's been difficult even to get to know my own people to know where they are connected in uh, to the community. So it's uh, you know in in some world worlds, I guess if you're a planner, this uh, kind of uh, forced slow entry uh, is is probably a dream uh, for those that that like to ease in and mm-hmm. and uh, you know certainly hit the ground running has been harder than normal. Yeah, and you hit the ground running. I know um, always, but it's. Uh, I think that this is uh, maybe the best of both worlds. This has uh, tamed a little bit of my rush ahead, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you yeah, know that's, that's probably a good thing. 
Well, I always appreciated your leadership. I told you when I left, I, I told you when we were still together that, you know, I would literally serve with you anywhere. Um, you're a wonderful leader. You did wonderful things at the church that we served together that um, really needed to be done. And I think set up uh, the person that followed you uh, in a really, really good way. But um one thing that you did that I really appreciated was pointing your staff uh, to what you were reading and some things that you were learning. And um, I, I miss your synopsis of books that you were reading because I didn't have to read them. You just read them for me and then you gave me all the highlights. But what are you reading right now? And uh, or what are you listening to? I don't know if you're listening to any podcast besides this one. I know you've been listening to this one. <laughs> So sure, um, it's, I don't know, for you, for me, this COVID time, I am, uh, a, you know, I read a lot of stuff, as you said. Um, this has been hard um, during COVID. I've just not found a lot of it. Maybe it's part of it is changing settings, uh, knowing that was coming for a couple of months and then, yeah. and then moving um, that, uh, for whatever reason, my mind has been, has been hard to uh, to read as much as I, I normally would. Um, Book-wise, I'm a big fan of Michael Hyatt, uh, just came out with a book called The Vision Driven Leader. Um, I'm starting in a new setting to go back and review some of the classics uh, that I love. Uh, you know, anything by Reggie McNeil, uh, Missional Renaissance, uh, still a classic 10, 12 years later. Kingdom Collaborators, his more recent book. Um, the Power of Moments, uh, Chip Heath and Dan Heath, uh, and, uh, you know, what we do is create moments, I think, in the power of that. Listening podcast-wise, uh, church, uh, you know, the big ones, Carrie Newhoff, Craig Rochelle, Andy Stanley, Tony Morgan. Uh, Business-wise, uh, Patrick Lencioni, mm -hmm. Donald Miller, Jesse Cole, Dan Cockrell. So, um, you know, getting as much as I can, but... Uh, using a lot of this time right now to, to review back over. And that's why I like to write those synopsis so that I can yeah. go back over them quickly and not have to read the whole book again. Yeah, Brett, you need to write a book, um, seriously, on church leadership, given all of your copious notes and... Um, it and all your... would be stolen, so... <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, I think I think you could put a little Brett to heart uh, flavor in, into that. And um, and I think that it would be very well received and, and good uh, and, and good reading for uh, the leaders in the church today. Um, I really appreciate who you are. I really appreciate um, what you bring, the gifts that you bring to the church. And I know that yeah, your new setting is one that will benefit greatly from your leadership. So thank you so much for the time that you've given us today for your leadership and for the um, wonderful opportunity to do something new with you and, um, and truly, you know, um, change the course of my ministry. Um, so thank you for that. I really, really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you and uh, I'm glad to uh, be able to claim all your successes <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> as my own. And, uh, but uh, you know, the, the biggest thing, and I, I hope everybody would have, uh, people they co-labor in ministry mm -hmm. with uh, that you knew you could trust and you could hand things off to and know that you weren't going to have to, uh, you know, follow up and pick up the pieces and that, uh, you know, we certainly had some vigorous uh, uh, conversations we over did. 
years, uh, but I, I, I hope that made things better at the end of the day. And uh, we knew each other's heart going into that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think that's the key, I would say, as a permission giver, when you find uh, the right people who are putting these plans into to action, um, you can coach and you can give suggestions uh, from afar, uh, but you got to let those people run uh, when you find people who can run and will do it. Uh, and that's, uh, you, you know, you can't tie their hands uh, behind their back and, and hope that good things are going to happen. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean you don't give input and you don't try to, to, to coach. And, and uh, but at the end of the day, you know, when you find winners, you got to let them run. And uh, I think that's, that's important, um, you know, to get the most to, yeah. for them to get the most out of what God has gifted them with. Yeah, thank you so much. That's a great word to leave on. Thank you again, Brett. And I look forward to having you back a year from now to hear all about your new fresh expression. Yeah. 